You're listening to the Harborside Church Podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good. Hey, good to have you here. Happy birthday, Harborside Church. It's, yeah, let's come on, give it up. Absolutely. It is an awesome day, and we're so excited that you can be here, visitors, regulars, people here just for the cake. We are excited that you're all here. You have to excuse me, my voice is a bit croaky this morning, but we're going to get through it together. We're so glad that you're here today on this awesome day. Can't believe we are one. Can't believe we're already one year old. We're so grateful what God has done in rebuilding this church. Praise to him, hey, so we can be a witness to him and what he's done. You know, I love so many things about this church. I love so many things about this church. Now, we know that this church is not about the building, is it? The church is not the building. The church is its people. And I love the people of this church. I love, um, I love our worship team. How awesome. How amazing are our musicians. I love our worship team. I love our kids' church team, slogging it out with my three little monkeys out there and all of yours. Amazing job. I love our kids' team. I love our sound and tech guys up the back, serving week in, week out. A bit of a thankless task. If anything goes wrong, heads turn around and it's often their fault. (laughs) But it's not often your fault. Thank you. I I love our coffee team. Isn't our coffee team important? Keeping us caffeinated, a very important job at Harborside Church. I love seeing people get here early. I get here pretty early, but I'm often not the first here. I love seeing our morning tea team here, ready to serve and to cut up food for the kids, and they're here ready to set up the church. I love seeing people pray for each other. That's one of my favorite things about this church, seeing people pray for each other in Jesus' name. I love seeing leaders come alongside people and help them walk in their faith, because it's not easy being a Christian, and we're in this journey together. I love that. I love seeing generosity. This church is a generous church. I want to thank everybody who's given to the Melrose Fund, over $61,000 given to things that we need to do in this building. Thank you. Thank you for giving your hard-earned money to what God is doing here in the vision he's given us to make this a beautiful, functional space for us, but also for the wider community. And you know what? All of this comes together to form what we most desire. What do we most desire? We most desire to be a warm and loving community, reflecting Jesus for anyone with eyes to see. That is our heart. That's what we want. You know, we run these newish, (coughs) excuse me, run these newish nights about every sort of four, five, six weeks at our place, glass of wine and a chance to get to know Pip and I and hear more about the church. And uh, it's great. We go around the circle and we say, where are you from? And, you know, those dorky Christian things you do. Where are you from? And what's one thing you've liked about church? They're not allowed to say one thing they haven't liked. They're not allowed to say one thing that you've liked about Harborside Church. And more often not, people, because it's a transient area, people are moving in and people say it feels like home. It feels warm and welcoming. It feels like home. Now, why is that important? I don't say that to pat ourselves on the back and to say we're doing an awesome job, although, team, you're doing an awesome job. I'm not saying it to pat us on the back. I'm saying it. It's really important. Why? Because we want to mirror the incredible warm invitation that God has offered us. That's why we exist. That's why we want to create this warm and welcoming community 
to mirror the amazing welcoming invitation Jesus extends to us. So in thinking about what to preach this morning, I had to have a bit of a think. What to preach on a first birthday? What do you preach about? Well, I couldn't go past what Darren read so well for us, the parable of the great feast. Jesus talks about a party. And I thought, well, that's pretty appropriate for today. Because that's what today is. It's a celebration. It's a party. There are balloons obscuring the musicians on stage. There are balloons. There will be cake. You can smell the onions and the sausages cooking right now. This is a party. And Jesus tells us this story of a great and generous host inviting people to a great party. Sounds like my kind of thing. What do you get excited about when you think about a party? We got an invitation in the mail recently to a 40th. What do you get excited about? Oh, we're going to see those people. We're going to see our friends. We're going to get doled up. We're going to get dressed up. It's going to be great food, great wine. There's going to be a selfie wall. There's going to be celebrity spottings, particularly in this area. Maybe, maybe. There's going to be great food and wine. We look, we look forward to that event, and we, there's great sort of anticipation, expectant hope with a great party. So on this very special Sunday, let's look at the great feast that Jesus talks about. And when we do that, we're going to look at some really interesting questions that come out of this parable. Four interesting questions. Here they are. What's it like to be a Christian? Have you ever wondered that? What's it like to be a Christian? It's the first one. Second one, how do you become a Christian? Third one, who's going to be in heaven? And the fourth one, does it matter if I become a Christian or not? Is it irrelevant? Does it really matter? Is it a big issue? So what's it like to be a Christian? How do you become a Christian? Who's going to be in heaven? And does it really matter if I become a Christian? Is it a big deal? Let's have a look at our first one. What is it like being a Christian? This might come as a surprise to you, but Jesus says being a Christian is like being invited to a great banquet. Jesus says it in verse 16. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Jesus says being a Christian is like receiving an invitation to a great party. Does that surprise you? I grew up uh, in a, a private school, boys' school, and I was a choir boy. You can tease me about that later if you want to. And uh, I thought Christianity was anything but fun. I thought it was boring and no offense for the elderly. I just thought it was irrelevant, and it, could, it couldn't have been more distant from my current life. I thought it was rigid and boring. Jesus says it's like being invited to a party. It's not boring. It's not about rules. You don't have to dress in a stuffy way. You don't have to act like somebody else. A party is enjoyable, isn't it, if you go into the right party? It's overflowing with goodness. This is how Jesus describes being a Christian. Here's something really interesting about the banquet, right? The invitation is to come and take part in something we didn't prepare and we didn't provide for. We had nothing to do with the awesomeness of the banquet. It is to experience something fantastic and undeserved. So being a Christian is not a bore. It's not something to be endured. It's to receive enormous blessing. Here is, I think, I don't know what you think, here is the craziest claim of the Christian faith. God claims he will meet every God-given desire that we have. Every desire that we have, God claims he can meet. Jesus says in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the devil. That's his MO. 
Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Life to the full, abundant life. Isn't that what we're really after? A life of meaning, purpose, unshakable joy, one that lasts, where love lasts, where even our suffering has meaning. Are you experiencing that? I don't know about you, but I reckon we're pretty good at kidding ourselves. And I want, you know, pretending that our life is amazing. Social media is so good at that, you know, hashtag blessed life. We're very good at pretending. But are we experiencing life to the full? You see, the invitation, this is crazy, is to know God. Excuse me. So, I don't know about you, I think many Aussies are what I'd like to describe as apathetic, sorry, apathetic agnostics. Got those two words we said. Apathetic agnostics. Ah, there might be something out there. There might be something out there. But what if the God we think might be out there was real and he extended an invitation to you? And what if instead of being a, a scary distant sky father, as one media commentator calls him, instead of being that, he was the very definition of love, compassion, and mercy. We like love. What if the author of love was the God of the universe? We like justice. We want justice. What if the God of the universe was the author of justice and he invited you to a party to get to know him? Would you accept? What would hold you back? I mean, don't we yearn to be satisfied? Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. If anyone needs rest, come to me and I will give you rest. We all have those longings for beauty, meaning, purpose, for a window into the next life. I love this C.S. Lewis quote. No sermon of mine is complete without a C.S. Lewis quote, and here it is. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Don't be surprised if this world can't satisfy what it was never intended to. So what's it like being a Christian? It's like being invited to the greatest party and God promises to fulfill all our desires in him. All right, it's the first question and the longest, I promise. So that then begs the question, okay, how do I become a Christian? What does it mean? How do I become a Christian? Well, you know, we can theologize all day. We can philosophize all day. But what does the passage say? How do I become a Christian? Accept the invitation. It's that simple. People like me who work for the church, and we can sometimes complicate things. But you know what? It's simple. From the passage, what does it say? How do I become a Christian? Accept the invitation. We can't invite ourselves. We can't earn the right to an invitation to the banquet in any way. The offer is come as you are. It is done. Will you come? The food is on the table. There's nothing you need to do but accept. It is the widest and most inclusive invitation there is. Many of you know I was in a, a rock band, a Christian rock band for a long time, for about 10 years. If you don't know it, it's not a joke. It's a real thing. I was in a Christian rock band for 10 years. And uh, most sermons do have a band story. And here it is. Uh, it's usually the kids or the band. That's, I've got to, anyway. So here it is. Um, we toured a lot in Australia. And uh, man, we heard about this big American band that were coming to town. And we thought, oh, if we could just open up the shows for them, that would be awesome. I mean, just to be able to open up, to be the opener for them. And we thought that an opportunity of a lifetime. 
and we were just hoping and praying, oh, yeah, that'd be amazing. Well, I tell you what, one day the Australian promoter gave us a call. All the boys were on the bus, and I was trying to, to, to sort of hear him, but all the boys, what is he saying? What is he saying? Shush. I'm trying to, trying to hear. And he offered us the position. He said, do you want to open up? Do you want this tour slot? Here it is. It's not complicated. The offer is on the table. Will you accept? Amazing opportunity. Every single one of us has received the invitation to know God, to experience life in all its fullness. Will you accept? Okay, now here's another question. So we've looked at... What have we looked at? <laughs> what's, it, what's it like to be a Christian? How do we become a Christian? Okay, well, let's look at our next one. Does it matter if I don't accept the invitation? Is it a big deal if I just kind of don't accept? Well, yes, it is. See, here's the thing. Excuse me. Here's the thing about this invitation. We can't invite ourselves, but we can exclude ourselves. Let me say that again. We can't invite ourselves, but we can exclude ourselves. This is an important distinction that the passage makes, right? Who's the invitation to? All. How do we become Christians? How do we get to the banquet? We accept the invitation, and we must accept, for it's only those who accept that do attend the banquet. We can't invite ourselves, but we can exclude ourselves. We can say to God, thanks very much. I'm fine. I don't need it. I don't want your invitation. God says, okay. It's helpful here now to look at the setting at where this uh, story is presented to us. Jesus tells this story while he's at a party, although I don't think it's a very good one. It's at a religious guy's house. I imagine it's pretty pretentious and stuffy. A religious guy is hosting it. And it's not a very nice party because they're trying to outdo each other, out-impress each other. They're trying to jostle for the places of honour. That was a big thing back in this ancient culture. And Jesus rebukes them. He says, next time you put on a banquet, instead of inviting people you really want to impress, why don't you invite people that can't invite you back? Why don't you do something without expecting something in return? It's quite a harsh rebuke. And, yet, and then in verse 14, um, one of the guests says, oh, Jesus, how good would it be at the feast in the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, yeah, you're right. It will be good. But let me tell you about that feast. I don't want you making any mistakes about it, particularly about what you think it's like and who you think is going. Now, in the parable, who's the master of the banquet? It's God, isn't it, right? God sends the invitation in the form of his son, Jesus. To accept him is to accept the invitation. But Jesus, he's not what these religious guys think. He hangs out with questionable characters He doesn't seem interested in observing their traditions. He's more interested in getting at the heart of things, speaking the truth in love. He wants to heal people, making the lost found. He's a breath of fresh air, but these religious guys don't like him. And here's the thing. These religious people will struggle to accept Jesus as the invitation. And so Jesus talks about this story and uses a few excuses that these people might use. There are three excuses in the parable, aren't there? There are three of them. Here's the first one. Come to the feast. Come to the banquet. Oh, sorry. I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. It's strange, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine buying a house before you see it? No, we don't do that, do we? Especially in this town. 
Imagine spending hundreds of thousands or millions on a house and not seeing it. No, this is what you do. I mean, every Saturday before you buy something, that's what you do. I saw on a, f- a friend's Facebook post recently that said, it's a great day when you can delete the domain and realestate.com app from your phone. That is a good day because your life is taken up with scrolling through and going to open for inspections. You see all, all there is and then you buy. You don't buy and, and then Go. It doesn't make sense, does it? It's out of order. Strange excuse. Second excuse, verse 19. I just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Again, an odd excuse. Back in Jesus' day, if you did want to buy some oxen, there was a field adjacent to it where you could try them out. They most likely, certainly would have tried out the oxen first. It's like taking a car for a test drive after you buy it. What's the point? You can't return it. It's weird. The oxen will be there later. Come to the feast. The third excuse seems like the most reasonable one, doesn't it? I just got married, so I can't come. Anything to do with marriage and weddings, right? High stress. But it seems like a reasonable excuse, but is it? I just got married, so I can't come. If you know this, but in ancient Israelite law, every man got a year off military service after they got married. So if they were sent off to battle, at least they had the chance to produce a child. So all was not lost. But the invitation's not to a battle, is it? It's to a feast. And it's not like the wedding day is on the same day. They're already married. So bring your wife. Come to the feast. See, these excuses are strange, aren't they? What is Jesus telling us? with these excuses? Well, I think it's this. These excuses have things out of order, don't they? And I reckon we're often tempted to do the same. We're tempted to put life and any number of things in front of the most important thing, put things in the wrong order. About a year ago, I was uh, asked to officiate my first wedding, and I was chuffed and petrified. Um, I'd played, I'm a musician background, and I'd played lots of weddings. My family knows me as the wedding singer. I sang at all of their weddings and all my friends, but I had an officiator before, and I was really excited. I was chuffed, but I was petrified. It's a scary thing. There's so much admin, and admin is not my strong suit. So I'm, I'm ringing my pastor friends. I'm making lists. I'm a list-to-do list guy. So I'm getting it all. Okay, so I've, I'm organizing, you know, organizing all with the couple. We'd had lots of meetings, and I'd, um, excuse me, I'd got the right paperwork filled out, written out the vows, organized the elements of the service. The day comes, I feel like I'm prepared. On the day, get dressed in my best suit. I've got my notes, ticking off the checklist, slick back the hair, jump in the car, drive to the venue. And I wanted to get there early, get to the venue. It's early, but even for this early, it's looking real quiet. And you know what happened, right? I got the venue wrong. I just, I, I get in there and I'm, oh, oh man, I'm looking through and there's just one dude in there preparing food or something and his English wasn't great. And I'm just, is there a wedding? These guys, oh man, got the wedding venue wrong. It's okay, I, I, I did check my phone, which I'd left at home and I went back and it was okay. I arrived. It's okay and they are married. I can just see on your faces, I'm not gonna get asked to officiate a wedding anytime <laughs> soon, am I? <clears throat> But tell you, what's the point in getting all that other stuff right, the right clothes, the checklist, the sermon notes, if you're not in the right place? The wedding can't happen. Jesus is saying, get the most important thing right first. Where are you going? Are you coming to the banquet? Where are you at with your creator? 
I tell you what, we are so skilled at deflecting that question, aren't we? We just don't want to deal with it. Maybe it's part of our Aussie culture. We want to keep things chill. We want to be laid back. I don't know, but it just feels like part of our culture, we're programmed to put that question off. I'll deal with it later. I just got to get the kids through school. I've just got to get my career sorted. I just got to get that renovation done, and then I'll think about maybe coming back to church or, or coming to church. Or See, these are good things, things that have been in our lives, but they're not excuses. They're not excuses. They're not reasons to not accept God's great invitation. Can I let you in a little secret? Knowing God gives us incredible resources to deal with those things. So, almost done here. My voice is excited about that. <laughs> so, the master of the feast sends out the invitation. People make their lame excuses, but he refuses to have no one at the party. Verse 21, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. What do we see here about the master? We see his generous determination. And in verse 24, we also see his resolute anger. Those who were invited and didn't come, they won't get a taste. He then sends invites out to those who can't reciprocate to those who have nothing to offer, and they are overwhelmed. Why wouldn't they accept? They know they have very little, and they know the offer of a seat at the table of a banquet is wonderful and undeserved. I don't know about you. I reckon this is maybe the hardest thing for people in our fine area to come to terms with about the Christian faith. We contribute nothing to receiving the invitation. You know, I like to think um, it was all those years of shows and great songs that we'd written that got us that spot on the tour I talked about before. Um, it wasn't. It was actually um, our wonderful Australian manager, great guy, amazing, wonderful man. He had a fantastic relationship with the promoter. He sacrificed so much to get to know that guy and spend time with him so we could have the invitation extended to us. In the end, we contributed very little to the offer of that tour spot. You know what? It's the same with us and God. It's hard for us to think about this. I struggle with this. We contribute nothing. We didn't prepare the feast. We didn't provide for it. It is totally undeserved. This invitation, this is the beautiful thing about it, it's the great leveler. But it can be hard for us well-to-do folks to come to grips with. But this is the most fundamental thing to becoming a Christian. Accepting the invite is based on the master's terms, not ours, because it's his party. Our problem, I think, was articulated well by a church father, St. Augustine, about 1,600 years ago. God is always trying to give good things to us, but our hands are too full to receive them. God wants to give us, to offer us, to extend the invitation to his feast. But what are our hands full of? Will you accept? So our last question for this morning, who will be in heaven? It's those who accept the invitation. Every other faith system tells me what I must do, jump through these hoops, obey these rules, do these things, achieve this. But the Christian faith points us to what's been done and says it's done, will you come? God prepares, God invites, and Jesus opens the way 
for us to enter in. You see, the invitation is free, but it didn't come cheap. The invitation is free, but it doesn't come cheap. You and I can receive the invitation, but it came at a great cost. We experience God's free invitation because Jesus paid for our sin on that cross. Because of God's immense love for us, he sent Jesus to the cross to remove the barrier between the divine and the human. So as we finish, let me ask, where are you at? Have you accepted God's invitation to know him in Jesus? If not, what's holding you back? What excuses could you be making? Maybe we're thinking, you know what? We don't need to worry about accepting the invitation. I'm just going to rely on being a good person. And you know what? I'm so thankful for the good lives of good people in this area. I'm thankful for it, but can't get us into the feast, can it? Will you accept the invitation? Or maybe you're thinking, I'm not good enough. (laughs) Me and God, we're just too far gone. No, not one of us is good enough. Accept the invitation. It is come as you are. You might be thinking, it's nice to be here today, but I'm not much into religion, thanks very much. You know what? Me neither. Will you accept? You might be thinking, it's okay, I don't need it. Can I urge you, don't exclude yourself. What's holding you back? So, what's it like to be a Christian? It is like being invited to a great feast. It's not a bore. Knowing God is the adventure of a lifetime doesn't mean life's going to go all the way you want all the time. But it is by far the best invitation you'll ever accept. How do I become a Christian? Accept the invitation. It's that simple. Does it matter if I don't accept? Yes. We can't invite ourselves, but we can't exclude ourselves. Who goes to heaven? Those who accept the invitation from God. Will you accept? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your invitation to know you in Jesus. Lavish, generous invitation. Father God, if there are people here that haven't accepted, I ask that you'd work in their hearts. Work on those excuses that we're so good at coming up with. Would you remove them? Would you bring people to yourself? You are kind. You are incredibly gracious. You are so loving that you want to know us. You're not distant. You're not removed from your people. You want to know us. So, Father, we just pray that you would draw people to yourself in the powerful name of Jesus today. Amen. Amen.